1888 Podcast Network. I'm John Barrett Ingalls, and this is The How, The Why. Presented by 1888. Every week we connect with artists, authors, and innovators in the world of publishing and literature to discuss their creative process and creative purpose and explore the evolution of the industry. 1888 serves as a regional catalyst for the preservation, presentation, and promotion of cultural heritage and literary arts. Let's get connected. Hello and welcome to the How the Why brought to you by 1888. My name is John Barrett Ingalls and today we are connected with Sarah Nicole Smetana, uh, author of the most recently just came out this past March, The Midnights. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on this podcast. Well, I'm really excited to have you on this podcast. I, I <laughs> really thoroughly enjoyed the book. Um, I would love this. This is your first novel, right? Your debut. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I would love to kind of get into your process as uh, somebody who is doing this all for the first time and just talk about um, how, well, first of all, where the idea for the story came from, how you built it from the ground up, and then what you did when you were done as far as uh, seeking representation and, and all of that. I mean, I'd love, if possible, to get as detailed of an account. Um, and let's start with the concept. Um, at what point did you have the idea of this story and was it this story when it began or did it start as something else? It definitely started as something else. Um, I knew from the beginning this was, I think I started in earnest, started writing this book, um, in early 2011, let's say. And this was a couple months, um, or I guess half a year before I started grad school. So I knew I needed to start you know, generating pages for my program to turn into my workshop. And I, I had this idea sort of circling around for a while that I wanted to write about a band in Southern California. I wanted to write about the music scene. And I wanted to write about that because it was something that I had been a part of when I was a teenager growing up in Orange. Um, I was really, really involved in the music scene. I spent all of my weekends going to shows. I started bands of my own. Um, throughout college, I also played in bands and spent all my time um, just being immersed in, you know, upcoming music stuff. And so I were knew you, I wanted uh, to write about that. Were you sneaking out of your window to go to shows in L.A. like <laughs> Susanna? You know, I absolutely was not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was very um, I, I followed all the rules when I was a teenager. I never snuck out. Um, or anything like that. My, my parents were cool with it. They just, um, you know, before I had my license, they would drive me, uh, down to chain reaction and they would pick me up. And <laughs> I had other friends whose parents were even nicer and would drive us to the glass house. And, um, 
so it was, I never had to sneak out, you know, it was like, that's what everyone did is we, we would go see bands play. And, and the amazing thing about Orange County and, um, you know, some of the closer LA cities is that there are so many all ages venues. And so there are so many places for kids to go and, um, listen to music and, you know, experience that, which is incredible. Um, so I never snuck out. My, my parents let me go. <laughs> um, was there so, a thought that that's what you were going to do, that that's what you were going to be? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's how I started writing. Um, I didn't actually start writing fiction until I was in college. All throughout high school, um, uh, as I said, I, I was in bands as well. I played guitar, I wrote songs, and I sang. And um, so all throughout high school, um, I wrote a ton of poetry and a ton of song lyrics. They were sort of interchangeable for me. I would write them often as poetry first and then figure out how to translate them um, into song based on whatever, you know, chord progression I was working with. So it always started with music for me. Um, The only reason actually I started writing fiction is because when I went to college, I went to Chapman University. I know Chapman. (laughs) I went to Chapman as well. (laughs) Um, So I went to Chapman and this was, you know, mid the 2000s. And um, there, I was a double major with creative writing and graphic design at the time, and they didn't have poetry workshops. They had a poetry lit seminar, and that was it. So if I wanted to write, which I did because I loved it, I had to take fiction. So that's why I started writing fiction. Hmm. Um, I know that's different now. There's a lot more poetry options, but at the time, there weren't. And so I sort of started writing fiction by default. Um. I can't remember where I was going with this. No, I've, I've taken you. I've got you on track. Don't worry. So then 2011, you started writing about bands. Oh. You wanted to write a story about a band in Southern California. Yes. So I started writing about a band. And it was very, at the time that I started writing this project, um, you know, I didn't think that anyone else had really written about this particular um, experience, or at least I hadn't read it. And so I wanted to write about that. And I was writing pretty closely to my own experience and it was very much about a band and it was very awful (laughs) um (laughs) it was it was really bad um and so I you know I wrote maybe 150 pages or so before I started my workshop um when I went to grad school I moved out to New York to go to the new school um in Manhattan and I turned in some of the pages for the workshop um, and then I rewrote them and I turned them in again. This is all my first semester. And so I, I went from having this thing about a band to kind of focusing back on how this girl gets involved with this band. And the interesting thing was my workshop, um, they, at the time, the, the story that I was writing then, it started at the, on graduation day, this character I was writing, it started on her graduation from high school and it was supposed to be sort of a, a novel that took place over the summer. Hmm. And, um, so the first, you know, chapter or two that I turned into my workshop was about, um, that day graduation and the couple weeks following, you know, the very early stages. And, um, I had written about this girl and she had this sort of weird relationship with her best friend and she had a sort of mean mother and she had a goofy, stepfather and there were all these things happening and in my workshop the other students were like so what happened to the dad and I was like 
uh, <laughs> I hadn't written, I hadn't written him at all. He didn't right. exist. I think there was, you know, she had a stepfather and I think maybe there was one line about her dad wasn't at graduation, but I didn't go any deeper than that. The dad just wasn't there. And the students, they were like, what happened to him? I want to know about this dad. And that spawned this whole new story. Mm. I was like, what? I, I have to figure out what happened to him. And that's sort of at the point where I realized that I wasn't writing about a band anymore. And that's why I think the book wasn't any good. I mean, granted, in the years that have passed since then, I've just become a much stronger writer. But the story wasn't any good because it wasn't really about anybody. And at this point, when I started thinking, okay, what happened to the dad? That's when I also started really honing in on the fact that it was a story not about a band, but about a girl. And the story would not be any good if it wasn't about her. And so I started really peeling back those layers, trying to figure out what her history was. And, and that's all connected to who her father is, what happened to him, but who she is and why it would matter if her father wasn't there or why it wouldn't matter at the time. I didn't know. Right. Um, and just where did she come from? What is her history? What does she want? Um, and then of course, what is standing in her way? All those other writerly questions. Right. But that's really at that point, that was like a semester into my grad program. So I'd already been working on this story for a year at that point. Did, did you, really, did you have an idea of your audience at the time? I mean, did you feel like you were writing a book for young adults? Oh no, that came way later. Okay. <laughs> that came way later. Um, that I didn't, honestly, I didn't know fully that I was writing a young adult novel until my book sold as a young adult novel. <laughs> of course. That's always, I, um, I hear that a lot. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always thought I was just writing an adult novel from a young adult perspective because all of my favorite books are that adult novels about teenagers. Like for example, one of my favorite books of all time is white Oleander by Janet Fitch, mm -hmm. um, which is, was a huge inspiration for me in trying to write a different facet of Southern California. Um, but you know, that's an adult novel, but it's about a teenage girl. And so many of my other favorite books are the exact same. So I just assumed that was what I was doing. Um, granted for a long time, I also really wanted to write about, <clears throat> sorry, I wanted to write about a woman looking back on her youth so mm -hmm. I had in my head this idea that I was writing from a much older perspective and there was this huge chasm between where the narrator was when she was writing and the events of the story. And I had all these great ideas. I wanted to play with memory. I wanted an unreliable narrator. I wanted there to be parallels between her father's misremembering and her misremembering. And there were like great, great, great ideas. Um, but none of those actually ended up on the page. <laughs> <laughs> It was just stuff I wanted to do in my head. And as I kept writing, as I got further along in the process, that stuff just stopped existing in the actual story. And I think that's why it took me so long to accept it, um, that I was actually writing a young adult novel from a young adult perspective, because I thought I was doing something that I wasn't actually doing. And it was hard for me to let go of those great ideas that I had been thinking about for so long, even though I wasn't actually executing them. Now, you you're, have 150 pages of something, you're tearing it down, you're rebuilding it. Um, is everything, uh, like, do you work with uh, mapping or outlining, or was everything just 
taking pieces and reorganizing them or completely starting from scratch each time? It was completely starting from scratch each time. I wish I could outline. Um, I so far have not been successful in doing that. I think part of the reason why I kept starting over too, though, was because of my master's program, because I was in workshops, you know, every time I would get 30 pages and those 30 pages would get, you know, totally torn apart in a workshop. Everyone would analyze every little detail. It would give me a thousand new thoughts. I think it was kind of, um, you know, it was a very great experience for me becoming a better writer, learning how to edit my work, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it was not necessarily the most conducive to progressing further as far as page count goes. Right. Yeah. Cause then <laughs> so you're just I, repeating this, not repeating, but going back and right. digging but the I hole and I filling needed. it back in and digging that hole and filling it back in. Yeah. Yeah, abs absolutely. But I think I, I do think I needed to go through all of that in order to get to the story I finally got to. And I didn't really get there until the end of my master's program. So that's, you know, two years or two and a half years, however long since I, initially had that first idea about writing about a band and I didn't really hone in on what the story would be and where it was going until I was done with my program. And at that point I had, um, a different 150 pages, but I basically rewrote the beginning for a few years, just trying to figure out what my story was. And then you leave your master's program and do you just throw yourself into the writing or did it take a, a little longer without the program, without those workshops? Um, it definitely took longer because, you know, at that point I was out of the program and I had student loans to pay right. and I was thrust back into real life. I had to find a job. And so then I spent the next, you know, however many years trying to figure out how to make money to pay my rent, to pay the bare minimum of my student loans and also have time to write. And this is, you know, I think the never ending problem for most writers is how do I make money, but also continue doing this thing that means so much to me. And so I spent, you know, a lot of time. I had a lot of jobs. Um, I was writing throughout all of it. It was just a very, very slow process, but I never stopped writing. I just, you know, couldn't always write every day. Couldn't always write a ton but I kept going and I kept, you know, chipping away. And in the back of my head, I was like, well, I'm going to wait until I finish this book and then, you know, I'll try to find an agent and et cetera, et cetera. I'll do what I need to do to get it published, but I won't think about any of that until I'm done writing. And thank God the world had other plans because I would still be here writing if it didn't. Um, I would have written this book forever, honestly, if I didn't have other <laughs> opportunities arise. Um, so basically at the new school, the year after you graduate, they have a chapbook contest for the students who had just graduated. And I, on a whim, like the very last day I could submit to this chapbook contest, I turned in a chapter from my novel. And at the time it was, I think, chapter three in my novel. And I turned that into the chapbook contest and by some, you know, stroke of luck, I ended up winning. And so I had these tiny little 15-page chapbooks made of this chapter from my book. And shortly after those came out, I decided to attend this conference also through the New School um, that was sponsored by CLMP, the Community of Literary Magazines and Presses, mm -hmm. I think. 
And the um, conference, it was two days, and it was all about getting an agent. That's it. It was not about writing. It was not about um, any sort of, you know, normal type of panel you would go to at AWP. It was only getting an agent. And at that point, I was not ready. I had a couple hundred pages, but I, like, hadn't, I still, technically, my book was only half done. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew it was information I would want to have. So I decided to go to this conference anyway, and um, they had agent speed dating. And I signed, (laughs) yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know what that is, you basically sit down with an agent for 10 minutes and you're supposed to pitch them your story. And if they like it, they'll request it. And if they, you know, don't, then that's fine. You get practice pitching, um, whatever. So I had signed up for two sessions, which is the max you could. And um, then on the day of, I had a friend who was sick. So I took her two sessions and had a total of four. And I had no idea how to pitch this book. I wasn't done with it. I had, you know, I still didn't really know what I was doing. I was just writing. I had no plan, no outline, no idea what the end was really. And I went anyway and I tried to talk to these agents and it was terrible because I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, But I gave them the chat book and, you know, I thought, well, maybe they'll like my writing. Maybe when I'm done, I can query them and, you know, remind them. And so it'll be worth it for doing this, even if it's awful in the moment. And so I did three agent speed datings and they were all super awkward. And then I got to the final one, which was literally the very last session of the day. And I sat down with this woman and I could tell she, you know, was tired. She wanted to get out of there. She was not interested in what I was saying. Um, I handed over the chapbook and kept trying to talk about what I was doing. And of course, this is when I still thought I was doing something I wasn't actually doing. So that just made it more complicated. Um, and it was, it was just bad, bad, bad. But while I was talking and she was tuning me out, she started reading my chat book and she got through two pages and wasn't listening to me, which was fine. Cause I was probably saying garbage anyway. <laughs> and then she closes the chat book and she looks up at me and she says, I want you to send me this. And I was just like, ah, 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 what? Uh, oh, okay. Um, and I like freaked out because, you know, I had 200 pages maybe And I had comments all over it. Half the document was highlighted with notes. Sure. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm flying, you know, wherever tomorrow. And I would love to read this on the plane. Can you send it to me tonight? And of course I was like, sure, I'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and long story short, that woman became my agent. Well, yeah, but, well, all right, wait, but did, so what did you send her? Did you send her everything with the highlighting and the comments or did you clear that all off? And Oh, I, I, I absolutely cleared it. Okay. I cleared it. I made it, you know, I didn't have time to reread it to fix any of the problems that I had identified for myself, but I did have time to clean up the manuscript. So it looked professional and I sent her that what I had. Um, and about a week later, she, calls me up and she says she read it and she loved it and she wants to represent me and work with me on getting this book ready. Wow. So, I mean, agent speed dating, (laughs) you know, can work out sometimes. I think though, um, if I didn't have that chat book, it never would have happened. Um, and the only reason that I felt comfortable handing out those chat books was because they were so tiny, right? It was different handing out this like 15 page thing from the school sponsoring the conference as opposed to like carrying around manuscripts 200 yeah or a 200 page lit mag where you have one five page story so like i feel like i did get very lucky in that regard um 
I'm surely I would have been able to find an agent eventually, but as I said, I would have been writing this book forever and I would have been 80 by the time I decided to seek an agent out. So, (laughs) you know, that just goes to say, like, take whatever opportunities you can find, even if you don't feel ready for them, because you never know what will come of it. Right. Um, so what changed, I mean, you don't have to be specific, but what changed in the story once you had representation, how did she help you? Did she set you up with an editor at that time or? Um, no, my agent actually acted as an editor for this first portion of the process. Basically it was up to me to finish the book and sort of having someone hold me accountable and check in periodically to be like, Hey, what's your progress? I think that's really what compelled me to finally like get myself together and get this book done. Um, as opposed to, cause I'm, I'm very much a tweaker. I, I write very slowly because I'm constantly going back. I'm constantly refining, which is definitely not the most ideal way to work, but it's how I work. So, you know, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked after signing with my agent, I worked with her for probably another, you know, two years maybe to finish the book and then to edit it, to go back over it. Um, that chapter that was in my chat book, which I think was initially chapter three, ultimately ended up becoming a sort of version of chapter one. Um, so there was a lot of cutting, a lot of rearranging. Um, basically what I had been doing in grad school is I had been working from the beginning of the story to the point in the story. And this isn't really a spoiler because it's in the flap copy. So to the point where her father dies, what? And there was, <laughs> there was probably a point where that, um, that, that space in the book was 200 pages, hmm. you know, now it's like 50. Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, of course I needed to get through all those pages in order to figure out who my character was in order to figure out who her mother was in order to figure out, um, why she wanted to be a songwriter, why that mattered to her, where that desire came from. I had to figure all that out through writing all these pages, but they ultimately all, not all, but most of them, you know, got removed did from you, the final book. Did you have... Was it always starting in LA and then going down to OC or? Um, most, mostly yes. In some of the early versions while I was still in grad school, I had, um, been working on different potential entries into the story, different potential deaths for her father. Mm. And there was a time when it started in orange. I always knew that I wanted the story to, you know, take place largely in orange, um, but I think what I realized is that I needed to, there's sort of that, that standard, um, hero's arc, right. And it's always the hero needs to leave home. Right. Um, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call Susanna a hero, but she needed to leave home. She needed to be completely, um, separated from her comfortable world. And of course, emotionally that happens when her father dies but I, I needed it to be something bigger than that. I also wanted, I knew that I wanted her to get involved in this band, going back to the first idea I initially had. Um, and I didn't see a way to do that if she stayed where she always was. She really needed to become, she really needed to enter a brand new environment. And that's why I decided to have the move happen. Um, and obviously, well, maybe not obviously for me anyway, growing up in Orange, Los Angeles seems so far away. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, because well, traffic <laughs> it right. takes you like three, it can take you three hours to get to downtown LA. That's like, you know, that's uh, well, and it, it just seems so far. And I never went there unless I was going to a concert and then it was a huge ordeal. Um, but it seemed really far. And so that, you know, that worked for me having it be the entire time 
Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's I live in. I, this is living in Los Angeles. This is what we get to deal with. Yeah, I, I feel like it was saying, "Come on, faster <laughs> with this story. You're taking forever." Um, but I guess that's my style, taking forever. But anyway, I just I, I needed her to move. I didn't want her to move to a different state. I wanted the whole book to take place in Southern California, but it worked for me to have it um, be that sort of move from LA to Orange County. Um, do you hear, so the songs, there, there are multiple songs that are throughout your book. Do you hear the songs? Can you hear them in your head? Are they actual songs in your mind? Um, yes and no. So the funny thing about the lyrics in the book is that many of them were initially taken from poetry or lyrics I had written when I was Susanna's age. Hmm. Um, but then I edited them, of course, because, you know, they were not great. Um, <laughs> and also to better, better align with what was happening in the story at the time. So I like mined through my old notebooks, trying to find lyrics that I felt would fit the story and then edited them to better be to be better integrated into the plot. But a lot of those lyrics were from things that I had written when I was a teenager. And so some of them were actual songs. And so, of course, I could hear that in my head, which ended up actually being kind of a problem because it was hard for me when I knew I needed to edit something, but wasn't sure what to put there because I was so consumed by the melody right. of the words I already knew. Um, but but that's how most of those songs well, came I think to be. Specifically, I mean, there are two two very important songs, Don't Look Back and Love Honey. Are those songs mm-hmm. that you hear the music to? Um, not Love Honey. Definitely not Love Honey. That one um, was sort of, I think that was the hardest one for me for some reason. And I think because the voice is different. Right. Right. It's not Susanna's voice. It's yeah. her father's voice. And so it was a lot easier for me to come up with songs in Susanna's voice because I could go back to my voice um, at that age. And so I think her father's was harder for me um, to to work with. That was one of the hardest parts to finalize um and i forgot the question (laughs) no just the music the music of the songs um (laughs) yeah now it's interesting you were talking about at one point you saw this as a story from an older woman's perspective reflecting on her youth and you've kind of done that with uh diane with uh susanna's mom Mm -hmm. it susanna's life is pretty parallel even to living going back and living in Diane's old room that she's watching her daughter go through the same things that she went through. Yeah. Um, and I, was that, that thought of that older woman reflecting on her youth present as you were writing Diane's character and, and having her watch her daughter go through this? Um, not in that, way necessarily I've actually never thought about that particularly Hmm. Um, but the the parallels were definitely intentional Um, I think one of the things that I was really interested in looking at with this book are the the ways that you know are when when we're at that age sort of 17 18 on the cusp of adulthood and we sort of finally recognize that our parents are real people and they have had real pasts and aren't just our parents. I think that's a really interesting moment in life. And I really wanted that to happen. And I wanted, um, you know, Susanna and her mother have a very fraught relationship for 
most of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted her to finally come to see those parallels and that even though Susanna always identified with her father, it was always sort of her and her father against her mother, that she's actually very similar to her mother as well. And to kind of understand her mother better by recognizing those parallels. Now let's talk a little bit about, you said that it wasn't until the book was sold as a young adult novel that you realized that it was a young adult novel, but what, who did you see your audience? Did you see this as people reflecting on their youth or, or was there even a thought of audience as you were writing it? Um, while I was writing it, there really wasn't much thought about audience. Um, I think I needed, cause this is, you know, my first book, it's the book that I was learning to write with. I really needed to just tune out the idea of anyone else ever reading it for me to progress in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I needed to be pretty isolated in that idea. And it wasn't really until I signed with my agent that I started to think about audience at all. Um, because obviously that's when it became a real idea that I might actually sell this book. Um, you know, as I've said before, I would have been writing the book alone forever otherwise. Um, so it wasn't until that moment that I really started thinking about it. And of course, at that point, I really had only written half the book anyway, even though I'd already been working on it for four years or however long. Um, but at that point, my agent always thought that it would be a great young adult novel. And I didn't know enough about young adult at the time to, you know, fully go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I mean, maybe it existed when I was in high school, but I I didn't read it at the time, so I just didn't know much about it. Um, I had, of course, read some young adult novels, but I had not thought of them as young adult novels. They were just other books I read, right? I didn't really. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about young adult books is that so many adults read them as well, and I think adults can connect with going back to that point in their youth. Um, They've been through those experiences, and they can understand and. Um, empathize with them. So I think that's a really interesting thing about young adult literature. Um, So my agent always thought that it would be a great young adult novel. I still always thought it would be an adult novel. Um, And we basically decided that when I was ready to try to sell it, that we would send to both sides of the industry. We would send to adult editors and young adult editors and just see what happened. Um, And basically what happened is that I ended up getting an offer from a young adult publisher and that was sort of the point where it was like, okay, this is definitely young adult. Right. Um, (laughs) It's hard to ignore that. Yeah. Right. You know, if I wanted this book published, there's the person publishing it. And the funny thing that happened though, was that as soon as that became clear that that was where it was getting published, certain pieces snapped together in my head. And I think that's because I didn't know my audience and I didn't know where this book was going on the bookshelf. And I, 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 I couldn't visualize that. And the second I could visualize that certain things started to make sense to me, like the ending of the book, for example, which I won't talk mm-hmm. about specifically in case anyone hasn't read it. Um, that did not come together until the book sold, because if you've read it, mm-hmm. there's a certain point at the ending that connects to everything else. And I couldn't see that until I knew it was a young adult novel, until I knew that it was a perspective of a young adult person telling the story and not an older person. So it's just once I understood that, once it became real to me, 
um, so many pieces snapped into place and the book became so much stronger. So I do think it's important to know your audience, but it doesn't always mean that you need to know it from the very beginning. I think sometimes you just have to write the story that you're passionate about telling and figure out that kind of marketing stuff a little further down the line when you're more comfortable with the writing you're doing. So it's important, but not always from the get-go. Do you think that that's, is, I don't want to, do you feel now that there's a pressure that this is what you're going to be writing? Um, no, not at all. Okay. Um, I, I think I'm going to keep writing it because as I said before, I just thought that I was writing adult books about teenagers. You know, I've always wanted to write about teenagers. That's the time of life that I feel like is most interesting, is most filled with tension. Um, so I, I want to keep writing about teenagers. And now that I've found this, you know, spot in the young adult world, like why not keep doing that? Right. Um, I'm sure if I decide that I want to write about adults one day, then that'll be fine too. Um, you know, I have my agent represents both. So I, I don't think that she would dissuade me from writing an adult book if I decide that's what I want to do. But at the moment, that's not what I want to do. Does it change how you approach your writing? Knowing that, having that knowledge? Not really, okay. honestly. Um, a lot of people have asked me, you know, when, you know, you have said you thought this book was adult and ended up becoming young adult, did you have to change a bunch of stuff? And honestly, no. Um, I didn't have to change the story. I didn't have to change any of the stuff that happens. I didn't have to change the language. Like, you don't have to dumb down your work for the young adult audience. I think that's a common misconception um, that is very much misplaced. It's not a reading level. It's just a shift in perspective. Mm -hmm. So really the only thing that changed was taking out those last vestiges of the adult perspective that were still sprinkled throughout the novel and changing them to a more immediate perspective. Do you mind telling us a little bit of what you're working on now? Um, no, I'm working on another young adult novel. It's not contracted so it's not sold it's not guaranteed that's going to even be a book um for which reason i will not say too much about it sure. but it's a young adult novel it's taking place in the same universe as the midnights um predominantly in orange um right now it's at a fictionalized chapman actually oh cool yeah, so my the midnights is at a fictionalized Almedina, which right. is where I went to high school, and so now it's I'm working with fictionalized Chapman. Oh, I love it. Um, I love <laughs> that you're keeping it in the same universe. Does that mean that there may be people from the midnights who appear in the new book or new books? It does. Yeah. It does. Oh, I love yeah. It. So I'm hoping. I mean, you know, it's still really early, and still really early in this process. The book's not sold, so like anything could happen. I could end up, my next book could end up being something completely different, honestly. Um, but I'm really hoping to continue exploring um, this world that I've started building, have some of these characters reappear. Um, and I, I can, you know, people have asked me, are you ever going to write about New York? Because that's where you live now. And honestly, maybe I'll write about New York when I leave New York. Hmm. Um, but I have no interest in writing about it now. I don't know why. And I think maybe... Orange is just, it's home, mm -hmm. you know, and it's where I grew up. It's the place that turned me into the person that I am. And I think there's something really interesting about that. And I'm not done with it yet. 
especially now, since I'm writing about teenagers, you sure. know, who are that was your teenage, right? That was yeah. That's where you place, came of age. Yeah, absolutely. I think place really makes a difference on who you are. Where mm. you grow up can help define you for a long time after, even if you leave it. Yeah, and it's easier to uh, reflect back and and look at it from afar than it is when you're surrounded by it on the regular, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for asking such great questions. This has been The How, The Why with John Barrett Ingalls. The show is produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly with production assistance by Sarah Becker. The How the Why theme music was composed and performed by Dan Record. Please consider supporting 1888 and our mission. Become an 1888 advocate by purchasing our books, participating in our programs, and pledging today. For more information, visit 1888.center. That's 1888.center. I want to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.